0: You're listening to the Digital Void podcast, where we explore digital culture, media, technology, and memes, featuring critical and empowering conversations with experts at the forefront of our digital moment. My name is Josh Chatelin, and my co-host is Dr. Jamie Cohen. How has a type 2 diabetes drug become a go-to for celebrities and influencers looking to lose weight? And What are the real-world implications of its popularity? This week, we speak with BuzzFeed reporter Kelsey Weekman about her article, The Oscars Were a Nightmare for Fat People at Every Turn, that examines the damaging effects of type 2 diabetes drug Ozempic's surging popularity in Hollywood and influencer spaces, and what tech companies and influencers can do to create more inclusive spaces. Before we dive into this week's conversation with Kelsey, I'm thrilled to announce she will be joining our first festival of 2023, the premiere of Memes, Myths, and Magic, live at Caveat in New York City on Saturday, April 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We're bringing together an all-star lineup of speakers, including Annie Raoherta, Abby Govinden, C.T. Jones, Moises Mendes II, Ryan Broderick, and Jamie Cohen. Tickets are $18 in advance, $23 at the door, and $5 for live stream. You can find a direct link to purchase tickets and live stream in this week's show notes. Now, here's this week's conversation with BuzzFeed reporter Kelsey Weekman. Following this year's Academy Awards, I saw a ton of reaction pieces about who won what award, best picture, best makeup, but There was one piece in particular that really stood out to me and motivated me to reach out to this week's guest, Kelsey Weekman. Kelsey, thanks so much for joining us today on the Digital Void Podcast.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Kelsey, you wrote the Oscars were a nightmare for fat people at every turn, musing about who has used the drug to lose weight is just another form of body shaming. At this year's Academy Awards, Judy Chin, Adrian Moreau, and Anne-Marie Bradley won the Oscar for Best Makeup and Hairstyling for creating a 300-pound prosthetic that Brendan Fraser wore in the movie The Whale. For those of us who haven't seen the film The Whale, either intentionally or because they have not yet seen it, can you briefly detail what The Whale is about, and explain the motivation behind your piece.
1: Yeah, The Whale is about basically the the misery of being fat. Brendan Fraser, who everyone loves, who is an absolute delight, everyone's really excited to see his comeback, unfortunately plays this man who gains a lot of weight because he endures this personal tragedy, and the movie is him kind of reckoning with what he can't do anymore, and with the sadness, and the failure that he feels and what really sucks about it the most like watching it you kind of want to give it a chance because obviously you know having a disability not being able to do certain things sucks it's it's not fun um you want to hear him out but <laughs> the camera work is just gratuitous like it really wants you to think that this man is disgusting and miserable. And there's no more plot. Like, that's really it. That's really the gist, um, is that you're following this man, but you're really focusing on how gross the camera wants you to think that he is.
0: And so, Fraser is playing someone in the whale, well, and the explicit intent is to communicate how gross Frasier's character is. This is emblematic or symptomatic of a larger trend of virality and representation in Hollywood and specifically who is excluded from the conversation. So how does the whale fit into contemporary social media trends and specifically virality at the moment?
1: I think that it's always been a thing to show how terrible certain people's lives are um, so that then there can be I mean, this is his oldest time. There can be this heroic arc where they overcome their differences and go on to live a wonderful life. That's just a normal life, just, um, just something that is not different from the norm or what is expected. Um, and I think that what you know ties it so much to the moment. I mean, it really, it is just like a kind of an age old thing for, in my opinion, we were supposed to feel pity for this person and supposed to feel empowered when he makes a decision or makes a choice. And that's kind of the same folk hero we see in so much of what goes viral now.
0: And to dive into a specific trend that you write about in your piece, I want to look at the drug Ozempic, which is simultaneously incredibly popular and well-known, but also maybe relatively unknown to mainstream audiences who are not very online or involved in the influencer or social media space. And it took me a long time to become aware of Ozempic. I, as someone who has family members who are diabetic, was not super aware of this drug to begin with. But this year's red carpet was dubbed the champagne carpet, Courtesy of Ozempic, can you explain what the drug is, who it's made for, and how it's currently being used?
1: So Ozempic is a drug that's side effect is weight loss. And that, you know, can help people keep their specifically type 2 diabetes in check. It's really helpful for maintaining blood sugar and all of that. But it also is it's an injection that you get once a week that can help you lose weight, no matter who you are, no matter what your um, status is concerning diabetes. And sometimes it's used for people who are pre-diabetes, who you know want to avoid it. And sometimes it's used on really rich housewives who want to <laughs> drop five pounds here or there. Yeah, it's. I don't know exactly when it reared its head when people started talking about it, but people started speculating that celebrities were using it, and that's kind of where it began. But it's, you know, there are a lot of people who have used it or have used something like it for a long time.
2: Yeah, there's kind of trickled in. I guess this is, uh, I am I would consider myself now that I'm no longer really abusing Twitter anymore. Uh, I would consider myself mediocre online, where I used to be extremely online. And it started like trickling in. And I started seeing these reports about people using it. I was like, that's odd. And then I started seeing Hulu commercials for it. So I was like, OK, so it's very clear this is a drug that is both Something that's necessary and something that's being advertised. So I was like, that's that that was a turning point for me. Cause it's like when you start advertising something, it's either for somebody's life to change in some way or another. And Hulu has these very good ads for like prep, but now Ozempic, which is for people who suffer from diabetes, and now all of a sudden it seems as like I couldn't understand that. I was like mis misunderstood. So then I started reading about it and I and I Came across that viral essay that you mentioned in your piece that had one of the strangest lines in it. It was like, I first I take Ozempic, which I didn't know until you just said that it's an injection. First I take Ozempic, but then it's okay because then I'll take a Xanax and whatever at night. And I'm like, people who are on SSRIs or, or or need these drugs for like to to stabilize or to be to move themselves through society just in a what would we consider a normal way are now finding themselves at the tail end of very wealthy people's abuse of it. You know, it's like this seems like a very privileged drug, and it seems to me like. With the Academy Awards constantly being criticized for like Academy Awards too white and this and that, why is it that this year Ozempic kind of like reigned on top of this and Thin is in again on these carpets? Like, I don't understand why we're why this is happening again. What what do you what do you think is causing this?
1: I mean, that's a great question. I think definitely more people are aware of it and know that they can ask their doctors for it. And often doctors are like, "Sure, whatever. I don't care. You can endure it." It has some pretty. And that viral essay from The Cut had some pretty, not bad side effects, but like not pleasant side effects. Um, For instance, it can keep you up at night because you're just like so hungry finally at night after it kind of takes away your appetite during the day. And so it's not necessarily pleasant, like it's not magic, but it definitely does help. And I think that some celebrities who have always been criticized for their weight are considered to have fluctuating weight, became aware of it, knew to ask for it, and, you know, it fixes a problem, so to speak. You know, if, if tabloids are always focused on your weight and what you look like, then getting a weekly injection can really solve that perceived problem. But it also, you know, starts a lot of speculation online about who's using it and opens a whole other can of worms.
2: Wasn't there a thing for a little bit about like the ozempic cheeks or something yeah. like that? Like ozempic <laughs> like- face yeah like yes there was like a, a a signature face that people are like oh you must be on a Zempic because your face became shallow and like jaw bones I guess became visible yeah. I don't
1: there's a whole guys there's a whole thing right now where people are getting their buckle fat removed which is just like basically you're you're getting rid of your cheek fat um and so cheek cheekbones are all the rage right now but it's also um a dead giveaway. Like <laughs> you can really clock someone who's had that procedure done or has been taking Ozempic because it's like very dramatic.
2: So, so back to your piece. This is it, your piece was very like important to me. I come from a overweight family, obese, and I grew up very, very overweight and. There's a way of me living throughout the world, like make, make my way through the world, as as comparing to the Hollywood stigma, like the the idea of the Hollywood fit the shape, and it, it was endearing and beautiful to like hear you express how you feel about this because I did I haven't seen the whale and I won't see the whale I won't see movies like this uh, and it's I know people will, will probably chastise me for that because it's like to separate that but I can't I, it's just, it just I don't I don't like the abuse of this when it comes down to representation we're in 2023 like this is no longer like what it was like when i was growing up my like teenage years and like being like harassed and bullied and now we're at a point where representation matters and people's care is supposed to be higher and and we celebrate this and i and this is to no offense to Brendan Fraser who i love and i'm glad for his comeback but i just feel like this is something that we shouldn't have that this isn't supposed to be celebrated so how do you how did you square your feelings for this as a journalist and somebody to express themselves and use your space or your and your and your beat to express how you felt about this.
1: I think I have a unique position because I used to be thin. For a really long time, I was thin, and then I wasn't. And I had to completely change my worldview. And what I wasn't aware of before as a thin person is just how drastically different people treat you. And so I... You know, over the past few years, I'm an internet culture reporter. I spend all my time online. It is my job. But I found myself wanting to spend less and less time online because in this new – essentially in this new body, I was noticing that the way that people talked about people who look like me, fat people, were just absolutely destroying me. Like I plainly like did not enjoy being online for a really long time. And still I'm kind of struggling with it because it impacts – the way that i do my job like you know like it, it i just feel bad all the time and there's no way to like mute that phobia like that's you know i can't possibly guess every keyword or you know every lockout every person who might be critical of me and i noticed that the people that i trusted and that i looked up to especially on twitter and instagram had started saying things about people um who they thought had used azempic and I just thought, you know, you guys are supposed to be like woke or whatever. What are you? Why is like it's still okay for you to be mean to fat people? Um, So I I really felt like I had to speak out. I tried not to, but it became so impossible to avoid during the Oscars that I knew I would have to. It's just the thing where, you know, you make something personal. Suddenly people care. And I think online, I don't I don't post like my body or anything. So like a lot of people don't know that I'm fat because I don't want to deal with that and so I think it was honestly very eye-opening to my friends and my network to say oh my gosh okay I shouldn't be joking about this because someone might be impacted and that feels kind of like a a cheap way of teaching a lesson but it, it counts so I kind of sacrificed myself there no regrets um but yeah I felt like I had to do something
0: I'm really happy that you wrote this piece. I think that there are more people that will feel empowered and and seen through this piece than those who are staying quiet. Because I think that in speaking from personal experience, a a lot of us have gone through weight fluctuation and can feel very uncomfortable when there is still a very large stigma around these discussions. I want to focus on something that you said, because I found it very interesting Algo speak has taken center stage with the rise of TikTok. And AlgoSpeak, or how people learn to speak around algorithms in order to communicate on social media platforms, has become critical to the discussion and proliferation of discussions around Ozempic. Why does it feel impossible to escape Ozempic even when people mute it? And what words... And what ways are people discussing Ozempic that allow it to get around the algorithms?
1: I remember the first thing I muted. Let me start by saying I muted Ozempic (laughs) after the Cut article came out. I said, I do not want to hear about this anymore. And then I started seeing people say vague things like, oh, she's not beating the allegations. And I was like, I know what you're saying. Um, People will... Switch out the the E and the I with a three and a one and just – it's like they don't even have to say the word, which is a really buzzy word. And there's still an enormous amount of content being created around that hashtag and the hashtag's not – shadow band or anything on on tiktok or instagram but people are are just very vague like literally they'll just post a a picture of mindy kaling and say oh and it's like i know what you're talking about come on (laughs) like um so it's like It's hard to say even what people go to to kind of talk around it, but you know when you see it.
0: And and when you say Mindy Kalig, you're saying that people will post a photo of Mindy or a celebrity. And then the assumption with the oh no is that, oh, look, they look maybe thinner than they used to. They must be on a drug.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's two really different takes um, around Ozempic which are you know good you're finally dealing with it and and this thing that society doesn't like about you and then there's also like oh you you cut corners you like use the miracle drug and this isn't like something you got from hard work so that especially was hard for me to see because like why do you have to work to like you know look a certain way that just feels like People are demanding labor for something that's very personal.
2: Right. That th- What a great point. I mean, this is like people are so this is this goes back to something that Josh and I speak about a lot, which is the re- idea of reaction reactionaries, you know, people who are only reacting to the reactions. And so the, the Min- Mindy Kaling becomes a meme at that point because it's no longer a word having to be said. It's just a graphic that is. Uh, An insinuation as to an action that could potentially be something that she's doing personally, but we don't have any reason to understand her past. One of the thoughts I consistently have here that has a lot to do with like, um, people's health, body weight, body shape and size and uh, inclusivity that's been growing that people are trying their best like. Runway models are 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 now, there's plus sizes on the runways, there's different clothing styles, non-binary outfits are becoming more interesting. And yet we want to admonish people for their own personal choices or things that they can't control. Like a lot of people's body fluctuations have very little to do with some of their own personal choices and much of how their body grows throughout time. And people want to still conform everybody into this very similar stereotypical magazine shape. And I don't know why we have to keep doing that. And I don't know why we have to perpetuate it when we have these changes going on in physical space. So do you think this is like Do you think viral trends and and even algo speak, the reason algo speak is happening is because people want to perpetuate that virality. Do you think people are trying to find their fame off of reacting to people, other people's like differences? Like, is that like, is is that?
1: Undoubtedly. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, right before I wrote this Zempic piece, I wrote this like year long investigation into how fitness influencers post themselves online and how it has become like a whole niche of content to call them out as well and even if you are you know I wrote about it from a very like surface level like these people are calling fitness influencers out because they're all editing their bodies and it's like this is literally just another way to police how someone works like this is you're really just still doing what you're not supposed to be doing because the bottom line is it's none of your business what someone else looks like. But definitely the the reacting to the way people look, especially the changes. If you can show if you can physically show the differences between how someone used to look and how they look now, oof, that is that is going to go That's going to get some eyes on it. That's going to start some conversation because it's like, oh, now I have a receipt to be able to be rude.
2: Let, let me ask you a media environment question. Do you feel like this is a part of how social media is becoming like reality television? Like, is this like, you know, how reality TV exploits unfortunate situations for other people, like other people's pain for other people's entertainment? Is social media conforming to that in a monetized way? Are people figuring out the plot lines to make reality TV a, rea- a real thing online?
1: Definitely. Definitely. And especially as, you know, having receipts and calling people out is, you know, a surefire way to, to get people going off in your comments and thus give it a little boost of attention. I think it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And then they seem, you know, they're like a vigilante if they're keeping an eye on things and calling it out. So it just kind of elevates the people who are doing the, the creepy, <laughs> you know, call outs. <laughs>
0: And the people that are doing the creepy call outs, as you said earlier, it's either they took Ozempic and they quote unquote, don't deserve to be thin, or they started a new fitness routine or diet program or something to lose the weight. And then they are under suspicion. It's kind of like Schrodinger's weight loss. It's like you can't like win no matter what you do if you're in this influencer mm-hmm. space. And to that degree, to, to bridge, one of the things that we love to f- Push back against on this show is the concept of digital dualism, that internet culture is culture at large, that these are critical conversations and they are not just aesthetics, they are reality itself. And what happens online influences everything. And so when we see that Ozempic and associated hashtags have generated more than 662 million views on TikTok now, the side effect of this or the reality of this is that a drug that's used to treat diabetes ends up being in limited supply to people who need this drug. So what are the real life side effects of this viral trend? And how is it affecting folks who actually need help from this drug?
1: It's making it a lot harder for the people who need it for for health reasons to be able to get it. It's stigmatizing it for the people who have benefited from it in the past and it also it's doing this thing that I also hate which is that there's so much shame associated with using it because it's causing a shortage that then people who want to use it have to deal with that stigma as well and instead of people saying drug companies make more Zempic, they're saying that people stop being lazy and getting shots of this drug when you should just be running on the treadmill you know it just it can be Creates this hamster wheel of like <laughs> shame and uh, you just literally can't win. If you use a Zimpic, you're taking it away from someone. You're forfeiting yourself to society. You don't take it. You're fat and everyone hates you. You just can't win.
0: There's a line in your piece that really sticks out to me. And it's the merging of the physical with the digital. It is a drug that is now stigmatized, that is almost unavailable to folks, and is, as Jamie mentioned earlier, being advertised on Hulu. You write a quote that was very moving to me. You write, even the internet, once a medium that allowed me to be a formless void, requires me to reckon with my body on a daily basis. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I think that the internet used to be a place where I can just forget that I had a body, that I could stop thinking about the way I felt about myself all the time because there's so much shame just in being a person and being a woman, especially there's so much pressure from society to look a certain way. This is not new, uh, but I used to be able to just disappear into the internet, read some funny tweets, some funny posts and escape. And now I feel like I, I can't. I have to be either like sacrificing my own personal story to make sure that people know that fat people are human beings or I just have to prepare to be hurt all the time and part of that I noticed this first on TikTok and I've almost completely stopped using TikTok because the algorithm is so good at knowing what's going to get my attention that it knows what's going to hurt me and it knows the showing me stuff about Weight loss and just thin people looking good in a boring outfit just because they're thin. That is really it really bothers me. Um, but it knows that it's going to get a rise out of me. It's going to get prolonged prolonged attention. It's going to get a quick reaction because it hurts me. And no amount of clicking not interested can truly help me escape. And I thought that I had built this algorithm on a like a side account that would keep me completely safe from that. And one day it just it stopped. Like it started feeding me the the stuff that made me sad again. And so I just spend less time on algorithm or on apps with algorithms that try to read my mind as much and try to stick to you know Twitter and stuff like that but then of course Twitter is just a discourse hellhole so (laughs) I have to deal with it all the time again and of course it's my job so I can never log off so instead I'm just kind of running face first into it now I feel like I've had my time to mourn and now I'm like Ready to fight, to be quite <laughs> honest. I want my internet back.
2: No, seriously, that's extremely important. And, and you as well as us in, in similar ways, but similar in different ways. Our work doesn't allow us to go home. It's not like a restaurant where you're just like, all right, done. Our work continues. We have to keep looking at it. And whenever something is algorithmically influenced, those machines themselves are creating a reaction regardless. Like that's what it's supposed to do. Well, after you put this piece out, did you did you get feedback? Did you get thoughts from people who understood the perspective you were coming from? Did you did you get nice responses from this?
1: Yeah, I got I actually got a lot more nice responses than I did mean, which was surprisingly because- Because often when I write something completely unrelated, people are like, hey, feedback for your writing, fat, you're fat, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's so – it's the first thing people say to me when they're trying to insult me. And it's – and at one, you know, side of things, it's like, okay, well, I know how to respond to that one thing. And the second part of me says, will I ever be able to escape this and be taken seriously? I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I people people were really nice. People there were a lot of people who said that they didn't know how to express how annoying the Ozempic and the whale post had been, but there were other people who were like, "You should go to Overeaters Anonymous." Knowing good and well, I never spoke about food in this essay at all, and there were also other people being like, "You would look so good if you just dropped forty pounds." Um, so <laughs> there, you know, there are weirdos everywhere but fortunately most trolls are not that creative and so I've muted the insults I know people give me like I might not be able to avoid the discourse outside of my comment section but like no one can call me fat on Instagram that word is blocked so (laughs) and I don't even mind that word it's just like I can tell that you mean it with hate and you want it to hurt and knowing that someone wants to hurt me is painful so
2: yeah that's right. So we were, we've been talking with a bunch of different internet culture reporters for a while, as you know. And one of the things we often ask is, do platforms have some sort of responsibility to, to deal with this? Or is this something that is just simply a creator level responsibility act like where where's the line between what we should recommend for people's pain hurt and abuse and exploitation versus like where the line between what the creator's responsibility is in the platform itself do you what, what do you think
1: to me body size just feels like the last frontier of like the place where you're really allowed to make fun of people um and you're really allowed to shame people for their health or for their perceived health and you're allowed to pretend that you care enough to say i'm worried about your health if you look a certain way and stuff like that and like i i honestly don't know what the answer to that is but i do think that a lot of platforms have really opened their eyes to eating disorder discussion and i think that there's something in that realm that they could achieve for like fatness discussion as well i think that even if it's like a warning for certain terms, like (laughs) um, you, I don't even think you can search for like diet stuff on Pinterest anymore, which like partially is great, but also like sometimes you just want to eat paleo, you know, like some, like it's fine. Like that's the whole thing is that I don't think that uh, people should be shaming you either way. If you want to lose weight, great. Who literally cares? It's your body. But I just, I also wish I would see more fat positive content Surfacing because you're always going to see the like hottest, most like universally appealing people on the Instagram explore page, for instance. And I don't know if naturally we could see any different because of how disgusting the world is. And so I sure wouldn't mind a little promotion of people who look a little bit different. I'm, I'm very critical of platforms, but I also like don't always know what the answer would be. I just know that like I'm fed up. Maybe they could allow me to genuinely say I'm not interested in any content and not have to do it like bit by bit fighting for my life every time I see a certain kind of post but
0: so Jamie's focusing on the platform side I'm going to ask about the other side what do you recommend content creators and influencers do to be more mindful and inclusive of these topics and themes
1: now that's I'm I have many answers for first of all there's a whole brand of posts that's like look at me I'm authentic when I bend over I have a fat roll and it's like just don't say anything just don't say anything just have it just don't point it out Don't worry about it. If you're like, "Woohoo, I'm so authentic!" No, you're not. (laughs) You're you're touting it. There's no way to be authentic online, but there is a way to, I think, normalize not looking absolutely perfect. And so, I do think that, in a certain way, that kind of is—it's almost like a gateway for people who really prioritize thinness to start thinking about things a little bit differently but we could do so much better than that and I would just love to see like sure brands are like extending their sizes and stuff like that but like let me see it on a fat person let me let me see more people who look like me look look like you know over a size 14 or whatever because that is most of the world and the fact that you don't know that from looking at social media is like Creators, let's get out there because there's the it's like when you think about how a big argument for like extending clothing sizes is partially just capitalism, like people more people will buy stuff from you if you offer more sizes. It's like more people will watch your stuff if you offer more varieties of people. But of course, to be a fat positive influencer often, you have to fight trolls for like most of the time. But I think if enough people do it in people who aren't necessarily fat or just, you know, supportive, we can maybe see a change. I'm hopeful.
0: Kelsey, this conversation gives me a ton of hope as well. This has been a remarkable, meaningful, impactful conversation for me. Where can people keep up with you in your work? And do you have any resources you'd like to point people to?
1: Oh, goodness. Well, above all, I hope that people will follow Aubrey Gordon, who is a fat activist who I have learned so much about this, you know, from she's got an amazing podcast, Maintenance Phase, um, and just her social media is astounding. Her books are incredible. So I highly recommend people follow her. That is like my main resource. You can also follow me if you want. My name's Kelsey Weekman. I'm the only person with that name. So I'm easy to find on every platform. Um, just don't try to comment that I'm fat. It won't, it won't show up. <laughs> I will not see it. So keep it to yourself. Um, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff.
0: Kelsey, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Yeah, thanks guys.
0: Thanks again to Kelsey for taking the time to join us on the Digital Void Podcast. Make sure to check out this week's show notes for resources and more information about how you can keep up with Kelsey's work. Next week, we welcome longtime Digital Void collaborator Matt Klein back to the show to discuss his newest work in audience capture. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week.